0: You're listening to All the Best. I'm Danny Stewart. Before we get into this week's stories, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that I'm recording from stolen Gadigal land and pay my respect to Gadigal elders, past and present, as well as recognize that the area where FBI radio is situated, Redfern, has long been a place of storytelling, strength, resistance, and resilience for First Nations communities. This week, we're continuing our 500 retrospective series with another episode from our archives. Vanishing Voices first aired in 2020 and features stories about how language is passed down through generations, as well as the ongoing fight to preserve language for future generations.
1: Um, hmm. if I I go on Google Translate, I will remember because that's the only thing. I don't remember the words, but I remember like how how it all goes. Just one sec.
2: In his apartment in Fooscray, Hugh Demnicks tried to record the word everyone in Vietnamese. Hugh is 21 years old and working in customer service. 15 years ago, he attended Fooscray Primary School. He studied in the Vietnamese Bilingual Program for seven years. He then went to a high school where he learned French instead. Now, he can barely speak Vietnamese.
1: I just remember how to say like, "chao Goh, chao Ba, which is like, hi, Mrs. Hi, Mr. And like, <laughs> count to 10. <laughs> but that's cause like, I think I was so young and I've learned other languages in between now and then.
2: Hugh had lots of happy memories about the Vietnamese bilingual program, which began in the mid 1990s. In this program, he studied subjects like maps in Vietnamese. He also remembered the first grade primary school had a sister school in Vietnam, and they had some excursions to Vietnamese cultural sites when he was in year six. The new students at first grade primary school won't be able to enjoy the program as he did. From next year, Vietnamese will be replaced by Italian. The change has upset many parents and past students such as Hugh.
1: A lot of schools that already do Italian bilingual programs, whereas Footscray Primary School was the only one that does Vietnamese. And look, I don't see why, why you would want to have just one program all over the state. You need to have a diversity, and diversity is what creates a good culture. Hugh
2: has been living in Footscray since he was a kid. The western suburb of Melbourne has long been known as a Vietnamese hub. According to The Guardian, 1 in 10 Footscray residents identified as Vietnamese. With the growth of its migrant population, Footscray has become a melting pot for many cultures. For Hugh, being able to learn Vietnamese in Footscray reflected the diversity the country celebrates. If he had been able to study Vietnamese in high school, he would have done it.
1: I think that there's a lot of work that's gone into the Vietnamese program at Footscray Primary School and to just end it like this, especially when it's still an important part of today's society and it's an important part of the history of Footscray, is just like, it's it's really sad because if you think about how Footscray has changed over the last 10 years, it's, it's changed quite drastically with gentrification. But that's no reason to leave your history behind. And I don't see why you would want other like languages at a school where they've taught this language for ages, when you can create that diversity and that knowledge of culture and tradition.
2: For much of its 23-year history, First grade primary school's Vietnamese bilingual program has been much loved by the community and seen as a success. In the past four years, however, the school has tried twice to ace the program. Both times, it was saved. Its supporters are hoping they will succeed again this time. In August, first grade primary school parent Tony Boy started a petition to save the program. So far, almost 17,000 people have signed. In October, four days before Victorian pupils were allowed to go back to school, I interviewed Tony and his wife, Tao, over Zoom. Both are 38 years old and have lived in Footscray for almost 10 years. They have two boys and a girl.
3: I see um, many of uh, my friends, when they have children, uh, they, their children cannot speak Vietnamese anymore. This is a big problem for the uh, second uh, generation, maybe third generation. They cannot speak their mother language anymore. That's why I uh, chose Fusarae Primary School, because I respect that my children can keep the language, can speak the Vietnamese uh, to us, to parents and to grandparents. This is a good way for us to uh, to maintain the culture.
2: Tony and Tao speak to their children in Vietnamese at home. They teach them how to write and speak Vietnamese through books like Vietnamese for Dummies, as well as Japanese manga translated into Vietnamese.
3: My my friends tell me the good way to teach uh, language is uh, reading, and the big problem the uh, children they don't like uh, reading a lot of words. So I buy uh they they like the what what would they call uh, the commit uh, uh, Japanese uh, uh, study like uh, Dragon Ball or Doraemon. so they, uh, they, they can read in Vietnamese.
2: The couple feel, however, that they can only do so much at home. Learning Vietnamese at school through the bilingual program is what has made the real difference.
3: I'm really uh, proud about my uh, son because my son can speak Vietnamese very well uh, compared to another Vietnamese uh, kid in Australia because uh, uh, he had a chance to learn and practice Vietnamese at school and uh, to his friend. I think this is a very important opportunity for him. That's why my uh, son can speak Vietnamese uh, fluently.
2: At first, Tony was pleased with the program. But as years passed, he noticed the school kept reducing the number of hours that it was running.
3: The standard is bilingual program require 30 to 50 percent of class time. That means the student must study at least seven and a half hours to 12 and a half hours per week. This is the standards. But the school, uh, they don't like Vietnamese, so they cut down year by year and less uh, less and less. Three years ago, they studied only five hours, and then they cut to two hours, and next year is one hour, and I have no idea in the future.
2: Then came the announcement in April that the program was being cut, again. It wasn't until June that many parents, including Tony and Tao, became aware of this decision. At that time, the school said they wanted to change the language of the bilingual program and offered five languages for parents to choose from. Vietnamese wasn't considered.
3: At that time, I was really surprised because when they make a survey, they don't give any change for Vietnamese. which made me angry. The first thing I do, I try to contact the school, I write a letter to principal by myself to ask why you offer five other languages without Vietnamese. This is a Vietnamese school and you need uh, at least put the Vietnamese name in your offer. But the uh, school and the principal did not give me a right answer. So i made really sad and angry. And after that, I tried to contact to another parent. And they were surprised too.
2: With the change, the school promised to instead offer Vietnamese tuition to the students two hours per week. But for many parents, two hours per week doesn't compare to systematic bilingual training. Even the bar for qualifying to teach one versus the other is starkly different. To teach in a bilingual program, you not only need to be a native speaker, but also qualified in teaching curriculum like maths and arts. The school says there just weren't enough qualified teachers to continue the Vietnamese bilingual program. The Vietnamese community in Foosgrae disagree. The true reason for the change might never be confirmed, the publication, The Monthly, points to a report by education experts at the University of Melbourne. The report referred to the changing demographics in first grade and recommended first grade primary school replace its Vietnamese program with a more global language like Japanese or Italian. Come July, the school said the new language for the bilingual program would be Italian. I mentioned this report by the education experts and asked Tony for his opinion on it.
3: What is a global language? It, it makes me surprised. What is a global uh, language? Because the global lang- language should be English. Uh, we speak in English, right? This is a global language. And some other languages, uh, for example, Chinese, for example, French and Russian, This is a global language, but it's not Italian. Italian and Vietnamese are just similar. It's just a local language. I know many Italian in Australia, but in global, Italian is not a global language. And about the declining learner, I think Italian have the same problem with Vietnamese. I see, I have some uh, Australian friends, they have a Italian background. They get the same problem. In the second generation, they speak English, they don't speak Italian, yeah? If the school refer about the global language, I think it's not Italian. And when they choose uh, Italian, it's just similar to Vietnamese. So why they choose Italian? Something I feel is a a gradium because it's a language from Europe. That's it.
2: While I was talking to Tony and Tao, their sons were jumping on the sofa behind them. As the Italian program will first roll out in prep and year one, Tony's eldest son, Moon, won't be affected. But his second son will. Tony worries about the future. He doesn't speak Italian. If his kids have questions in Italian, he won't be able to help.
3: I have two kids at school. The first one, he can learn quickly in both English and Vietnamese. But the second one, he not really uh, learn well. So I feel worried. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really worried that what happened when my kids learned three languages? English, Vietnamese, and Italian. And what happened if my children cannot uh, understand teacher, and I have no idea to tutor him, because I don't know anything about, uh, about Italian. I
2: asked Moon what he thinks of the Vietnamese bilingual program and its imminent replacement with Italian. Moon is nine years old and is in Year Three at grade Primary. I, I like writing and drawing and activities such as games. I don't like singing. Are you aware that the Vietnamese program will be replaced by the Italian program? Yes. Where did you hear about it? I heard it from, from my dad. How did you feel about it?
0: I'm really sad. Why?
2: I want to study with Gohan, my teacher. Do you like speaking Vietnamese? Yeah. Why? I can talk to my dad, mom, and my grandparents. Moon's response reminded me of Hugh's experience. He liked Vietnamese, and he studied it for seven years but he was unable to continue it. And now, he can barely speak the language. Once the Vietnamese program is gone, many students may face a similar destiny. Moon and his brother will be among the lucky ones. They can still practice the language with their parents. But will this be enough? Tony isn't ready to give up.
3: Currently, we try to... uh to fight, we try to fight. We we don't give up. We keep going. We keep going. Not only me, we have a group of parents. We have a group of over 30 parents. So we work together.
4: That story was produced by Wing Kwong. Ivana Ho was the supervising producer. You're listening to All the Best. I'm Maddie McQueen. All the Best is a place for storytellers to learn how to make audio documentaries, essays, and fiction. If you want to produce a story for the show, get in touch. Visit allthebestradio.com and send us your pitch. We'll pair you with one of our supervising producers to help make your story. This next story is by playwright and artist, Declan Ferber Gillick, and it's a work in progress. Declan plans to finish translating it on his homeland with his family as a way of learning Central Arunda. A content warning, this story contains swears.
5: I'm still not 100% sure if this is the proper way to publish this. It's not really a poem, even though it appears in a poetry anthology. It's a piece of oral history, and right now it's incomplete. It continues to evolve. It's a story, and part of its proper telling requires that it is spoken by me. I first told this story at Mbantua or Alice Springs in 2018. I told it sitting beneath a very old and sacred tree in what is known as the Todd Mall. This particular tree is a significant one for Aranda people in Alice Springs. It has special significance for the dreaming stories of uninitiated Aranda men. I am an uninitiated Aranda man. A number of years ago there was a big new building built very close to this tree, a new piece of infrastructure for the Northern Territory Supreme Court. Around that time the old tree began to grow sick, I told this story in 2018, during a walking tour held by my auntie Alison Ferber. There are two Alison Ferbers, Alison who lives in town, Alice Springs, and has a small cultural walking tour business, and my auntie Ali Ferber, a language holder and translator whose first language is Central Aranda and who lives at Mboringa about 50 kilometres north of Mbantua, at Burke Creek, our homeland station. I really want to fully translate this story into Central Aranda myself and I want to do it on my homelands with my family as part of learning Aranda properly. That'll be the proper publication of the work, a reading of a full bilingual translation. After that, I may feel more comfortable committing it to poetry anthologies or audio journals. I'm an Aranda man from Mbantwa or Alice Springs, but I don't always live there. I grew up there and I'm closely connected to my Aranda family, but as a child I lived largely with my mum in a non-Aboriginal home. When I'm back at Mbantua, it can be tricky to get the logistics and timing right with family, especially family who live out bush. Lots of things can get in the way of spending proper time. Some of those things are personal, some financial, some structural, and sometimes it feels like there are spiritual or metaphysical barriers that get in the way of reconnecting deeply and learning language and culture. Sometimes I feel ashamed that I don't know more, or that I don't do more. I suspect a lot of black fellows who live between worlds like me feel this way sometimes. It's lonely and it can be hard to talk about. I get better at these recovery processes all the time. But it's not all glory and wondrous reconnection. It's painful and sad. And the truth is we've lost so much. And so much feels irreconcilable. The culture that I grew up in doesn't really value or understand this kind of work but people are working to change that. I see a lot of that work, especially last year, the International Year of Indigenous Languages. That's why I decided last year that it was important to publish a version of this work in that poetry anthology, and that's why I'm making this recording now, to show that the journey is tricky and doesn't always go according to plan. Please understand that this is an incomplete and evolving oral history, a work in progress, one that takes time and patience. Everyone's sitting on the carpet, except Latoya, who's sitting under a desk, holding her hair over her face. The other bush kids sit in groups, whispering in Pitjantjatjara, Welpri, and Aranda. The town kids are spread out amongst the few white kids. Tyrone's a town kid sitting next to me. I help Mr. Graham run the maths games, then I hand out spelling sheets, then I work with Tyrone. When I work with Tyrone, he's sussing me out. Tyrone speaks English. Hey, what's your name again? Declan. Declan what? He holds up his hand and I slap it high five. We're the same colour. Do you know my brother Daniel? Yeah, brass. I used to teach him at Bradshaw, I say. Tyrone's eyes grow wide. I can tell that with my baggy jeans and cap... I'm about the coolest person he knows. After lunch, the kids line up. Still the bush kids huddle together. Latoya, who was sitting under the desk, wheels around the corner with her head back and chest out, grinning and screaming with laughter. She calls out in a shrill cackle to a couple of bush kids in their native tongue. Tyron's head whips around. He seizes the moment like a dagger. I watch their eyes meet. There's this recognition, a flicker, a crackling stillness. For a moment, anything could happen. Tyrone smirks and hurls a mouthful of gibberish at Latoya, crudely mimicking the subtle tones and undulations of Aranda, fashioning them into a torpedo of abuse that ploughs into her chest. Her torso deflates, her brow darkens, and her shoulders fall forwards. Her face disappears back behind her hair, and she glares out at Tyrone with the righteous fury of a woman scorned. She snarls under her breath, two words she knows he'll understand. Fuck you. Tyrone's not hurt, but he's outraged. Oi, Declan, did you hear her? Latoya said F you to me. Yeah, I heard Tyrone, I heard. As Latoya and the others go inside, I tell Tyrone to sit with me on the low bench by the racks of school bags. Tyrone, do you know what language Latoya was speaking? He shakes his head. She was speaking Aranda, and do you know whose language that is? Yeah, that's my language, he says. Yeah, I say, and that's my language too. That's our language. How do you think Latoya's going to feel next time she wants to speak our language at school? He shrugs. Maybe bad, he says. Yeah, I say. Yeah, maybe she'll feel bad. She might feel shame. Because what you did there, you made her feel shame for that language. For our language. You understand that? Tyrone, all our families used to speak that language here. And then slowly people stopped. They lost it. It got taken away or they forgot it or it got covered up by that shame. We're lucky we still got it. But if we make people shame for speaking that language, they're not going to speak it. And then we won't have it anymore. And our mob will get real lonely for that language, like lots of us already are. And this country, our country that we're on here, gets really lonely for that language too. You understand? Tyrone nods. Russ, you're not in trouble. Not like school trouble. This is bigger than school stuff. You've got, we've got responsibilities here. we got to look after that language. Best we can, okay? Okay, he says. We walk back into the classroom and sit down on the mat.
4: That story was written and performed by Declan Ferber Gillick. It was published in Guayu, for all times, a collection of First Nations poems commissioned by Red Room Poetry, which you can buy at redroomcompany.org. That
0: was Banishing Voices, an episode we first aired back in 2020 when Manny McQueen hosted the show and Ryan Pemberton was the executive producer. You've been listening to All The Best on FBI 94.5. You can find our full archive of more than 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. I'm Danny Stewart. Thanks for listening.